Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one swinging page of Talmud every day. In today's pages, Yevamot 6 and 7, we learn about a complicated subject called Hechsher Mitzvah. Loosely speaking, it's a condition in which a mitzvah, or a righteous deed, can only be fulfilled when violating a prohibition. The Talmud gives us a few examples. A person, for example, whose father asks him to slaughter and cook an animal on Shabbat, forcing the poor guy to choose whether he ought to honor his dad, as the Torah commands, or not violate the Sabbath, as the Torah also commands. How do we answer that question? How do we circle this square? How do we resolve this moral conundrum? The Talmud, as it so often does, only raises more questions, more complications, inviting us to think about those difficult times in which the only way to get something right is to do something wrong. We can continue to grapple with this question in the ancient text, and we can also look for modern-day examples of people who've done plenty of wrong, engaging in excess, breaking laws, serving time, but all frequently in the pursuit of some sort of purity, some sort of greatness, some sort of transcendence that those who play it safe rarely, if ever, discover. That's a pretty good intro to our guest today, one of the most controversial athletes ever to win the admiration and the repudiation of so many fans. He's known for many things, not all of them savory, but for hardcore Mets fans like myself, He's best known for being part of the legendary squad that won the World Series in 1986, a gang of misbehaved wild men who partied, brawled, and occasionally played the best baseball in the world. He's Lenny Dykstra, also known as Nails, as in tough as. And these days, he's as likely as not to engage in studying Torah, a new pursuit he's picked up these last couple of years. We spoke a while back about taking risks, playing ball, and making mistakes. Here is our conversation, and let's go Mets. You know, Billy Bean, former teammate and, you know, legendary manager in his own right, said about you that you're one of the only players he'd ever met who simply didn't know the meaning of what it is to lose. Like, it wasn't even in your lexicon. Talk to me, how do you get in that mindset before the game begins? So much pressure, so many nerves, so many expectations. Well, that's a great question because if you think about playing Major League Baseball, it really is about managing failure because, I mean, if you can succeed just 30% of the time and then fail 70% of the time, you're going to be one of the best players because they set the bar at 300, okay? So it's how you deal with the failure and, and, and manage it. Instead of turning 0 for 8s into 0 for 15s, you have to you know have a game plan. And so I remember, I was the smallest guy in the league. The fact that I led the league in hits two years was because I figured out how to hit over 162 games. You know what I mean? And so you didn't just hit on, on any team. You you hit on the 1986 Mets. And, you know, today looking at sports organizations, so many of them could feel so corporate to us, like really big business. There's something magical about you guys that I think made a lot of us long-suffering fans really stick with this team through through the decades. Did you know right away you're a part of something totally different? Well, it was, you know, that's a good question. See, I was a young player, I mean, early my first full year. And so a great blend and great mix of veteran players and, and young players. And there was a lot of 
charisma and a lot of chemistry. We were fighting all the time. And remember, the Yankees always owned New York. So that year we took over. Playing in New York is and was a privilege and, and an honor because the best fans in, in, in the world. To win the World Series there, that's like, I don't know what's left. And it's it's you and it's Daryl Strawberry and it's Dwight Gooden, Keith Hernandez, a bunch of, of legendary players and, and also kind of big personalities, fun guys. I would just want to hang out with my friends. How do you sort of keep the focus of, of actually winning all these games when you're with these guys? You mentioned Strawberry and Gooden. So my first two roommates when I got called up was Strawberry was my first one and Gooden my second one. Great chemistry. Then Gary Carter, of course, was the catcher. And this guy was one of the... I mean, he's the kind of guy you want your kid to grow up to be like. And Keith Hernandez, who was kind of the leader, he kind of showed me how to play the game right, you know? It seems like today everyone is sort of playing this kind of cybermetric game, trying to kind of calculate percentage, pitches, angles, directions, really kind of very mechanical, very soulless. When I watch you guys play, you're playing baseball. You're playing the real game. Do you find that to be true as a player? Can, can you even watch baseball today? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's very difficult. And so, so what you have today is you, you have you have push button managers. I mean, all, all the managers that were, you know, like Lou Pinella and Leland and these kind of guys, they're not involved anymore. They're all kind of organizational guys. That, like you can't fight anymore. Like, you know, I mean, not that I encourage fighting, but, you know, if you get a little brawl or whatever there, maybe you get suspended for a game. Now it's three weeks or something. I mean, and the other thing is, is when I played, I mean, that was the most hated player in the big five years in a row. Okay. But by the opposing team, you know because I, I made their job hard, but I see these guys talking to other players now. And the other, like when I played, if I saw another team mate talking to another, one of the other players, like I told them, I see that again, we're fighting. They're trying to take our money. Okay. We're like, what are you talking about? What could you talk about? What could you possibly be talking about? So, so like I said, I'd see it again. We're going. Okay. Before I let you go, I've, I've just a couple more questions for you. Uh, especially the Mets. And I say this as someone who has given so much time, so much money, so much love, so much energy, so much hope, so much heartbreak to this, as we say in Yiddish, fakakta team. Um, <laughs> there seems to be a kind of curse, right? When, when you're playing for a team whose owner, and I'm not talking about the current owner, I'm talking about the Wilpons before Mr. Cohen came aboard, that actually you could just like buy a team and curse it, like, you know, Dolan for, for the Knicks. What's it like as a player to be part of a team that you know is owned by this total maniacal force is not going to let you fly? Fortunately, you know, like when I was there, they had Frank general manager and Frank Cashin um, was the guy that didn't take any. Um, stuff. But then what happened is Jeff Wilpon, the son, kind of tried to run the team and and we saw what happened there, you know. Uh, again, the Wilpons, they almost like they made some of their decisions based off baseball cards, you know. And so I think Stephen Cohen is the right guy, and he's going to eventually get, you know, he's got, but he's first got to fix what they messed up, you know what I mean? So, but they're not far away, you know. And, and Stephen Cohen's a winner. He's already proven that. And he's got the bankroll to, to do it. From baseball, which is very, very close to uh, to godliness, to the thing itself. I know you've been studying with a Chabad rabbi a little bit. Tell us, tell us about this journey. What what are you learning? What, how are you inspired? So I was on a spiritual journey, you know, because like I don't get this whole religion thing. Like like um, so, a lot of my friends or almost all my friends are, are, are Jewish. What I did for him though is that he was trying to raise money for the backyard and for the kids. He had preschool there, and I said, look. Give me the phone. Tell Ray to give me the phone, and I'll get an AstroTurf company on, and I'll get it done for free for you. Okay, 
And so I called him because, you know, the kids played out there. So that was kind of grafting. And so I called an astroturf company, told him who I was, said, look, it's Lenny Dykstra. I'm here at a bot for a rabbi, except for kids. And I need your your help here. I need you guys to donate this, this astroturf and saw and everything. I'll let you guys use my name on a on an advertisement or you know, to promote the saying that, that this is the best stuff. So I got in that, that whole backyard for free. That's the kind of feeling that better than, you know, I bought everything. I bought planes, I bought trains, but, but that, that's a different kind of feeling. You know? Manny Dykstra, God bless you, man. Thanks. I remain a huge fan. Thank you for everything. And anyone listening right now, Lenny's book is an untold delight. Sir, thank you so much for being our guest. Good luck to you guys, and thanks again for having me. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz, and our producers are Daron Skay, Josh Cross, Robert Scarmuccia, Sarah Fredman-Ader, and Quinn Waller. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon.